Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Oh, hey, everybody. Hello. It's us at the top. It's the intro. (laughs) It's Jenny's favorite moment when she gets to announce which nom from which slot has risen above the rest. (laughs) Indeed. Uh, What a thrill to have five slots chock full of noms to tell you all about. Oh, my God. And I'm so excited about the winner (laughs) in fifth place with 4% of the vote. It's Crandall and Barnett. Yeah. You know. He did leave them. They did their best. So, you know. Oh, no. In fourth place with only 9% of the vote, it's Moldy and Barnes. (laughs) And I feel like they had so much going on. Uh, Not enough. In third place, with 16% of the vote, a very reasonable Mulder and Scully. Mm-hmm. Oh, this was neck and neck between these uh, top two oh, yeah. slots here. Neck and neck, hand and hand, Ooh. hand <gasps> and writing implement. Wow, so much handwriting in the top two slots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sort of, because isn't Scully typing? <laughs> yeah, she's typing. Okay. <laughs> well, in second place with 31% of the vote, it's Henderson and Mulder. Things can get a little steamy down in handwriting analysis if you know what I mean, and I think that you do. I do. And in first place, 39% of the vote, incredible stuff. It's Scully and writing in her little diary. Do you think that this proves scientifically that typing is sexier than writing? Or do you think what it proves, Jenny, is that writing anything, no matter the instrument, is sexier by candlelight? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go candlelight. I'm hopeful writing. for candlelight. I'll be depressed sure. if it's... Uh... The former. <laughs> um, hey. Even typing on a computer is sexy if you do it with a candelabra nearby. And hey, speaking of, you know, proximity and like physical closeness, Kristen, we're we are having corporeal events this very weekend. It's true. They are most commonly referred to at large as corporeal events when you go to a theater <laughs> and you uh, invite others to come and join you. Corporeal yeah, yeah. events. Uh, you could also call it like a live show, I guess, if you <laughs> wanted to. But why? When you could call it a corporeal event. Um, yeah. And if you can't join us corporeally, then you can sexily light some candles next to your computer and watch us from there because we're streaming this shit what are we streaming hey it's the 30th anniversary this weekend is the actual 30th anniversary of the pilot of the x-files airing a historic moment okay and we're commemorating it in boston on the 9th that is saturday in new york city on the 10th that is sunday and online for all of you who can't make it on sunday the 10th of september this is going to be so awesome. We are live taping our episode for Darkness Falls in Boston. We're live taping our episode for Two 
in New York. I am just so pumped to talk about these two episodes and be with the people, our people once more. Would you say you want to be where the people are? I say it every day, Kristen. (laughs) I say it as my dog follows me throughout the house. I say it as my baby crawls from one end of the living room to the other. Uh, Uh, They want to be where the people are, and so do I. Listen, in Boston, if you're joining us, special guest Melinda Lowe, an incredible author of the most brilliant books and also someone who wrote her college thesis on the X-Files. Unbelievable. Get out of here. Also joining us on stage for the first time ever, both of our current wives. We will have a quartet of wives and ex-wives for you on stage in Boston. For a little segment we like to call the current files. (laughs) And in New York City, uh, Brooklyn at the Bell House, almost a year to the day of our finale for Buffering the Vampire Slayer, we will be joined by Rishi K. Shearway and Sarah Benincasa. We are so excited. We might even have a little, a little video appearance from the one, the only Latoya Ferguson. We'll see if we can get our act together and get that to you mm. by Sunday. You can find all the information for our corporeal events <laughs> and also their streaming counterpart. At bufferingcast.com slash live. Come hang out. Come Come hang hang out. out. And until then, here is a little episode about EBEs. That stands for every body comes to our event. I am determined to follow a lead that may result in the proof of the existence of extraterrestrial biological entities. I need to go. Mulder, listen to me. No. Please, will you just hear me? I have never met anyone so passionate and dedicated to a belief as you. It's so intense that sometimes it's blinding. But there are others who are watching you who know what I know. And... Whereas I can respect and admire your passion, they will use it against you. Mulder, the truth is out there. But so are lies. files that's the ex files a buffering rewatch adventure where we are watching and discussing every episode of the x files one by one spoiler free i'm jenny owen young's ex-wife of Kristen russo and i grew up watching the x files and i'm Kristen russo ex-wife of jenny owen young's and i've only ever seen 17 episodes of the x files today hey we're talking about season one episode 17 e B E E B E was written <laughs> by Glenn Morgan and James Wong, directed by William A. Graham, and originally aired on February 18th, 1994. Who's the Buffy director that's like, oh, James A. Contner. Is that is that a thing? 
that's a guy yes yeah i just william a grant i just really brought back some buffy mm. directorial memories for me uh this is the one where according to imdb Mulder and Scully become the focus of a disinformation campaign when they attempt to trace the government's secret transport of an alien life form. How are you going to say IMDb alien life form when the title of the episode is literally an abbreviation for extraterrestrial biological entity? You know, Uh, you know, it's not called Alf. There's a whole show (laughs) called Alf. This ain't it. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh whoa 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 wait no there's no there's a strict rule no talking about alf while rishi isn't yeah. here <laughs> fair producer latoya gives this episode a scary rating of 2.75 out of five governments within a government controlling our every move that's 2.75 governments within a government controlling our every move out of a possible five governments within a government controlling our every move. So there's five governments, there's five governments within a government, and it's 2.75 of the government within the government. <laughs> That's the math there. Is this, are we? Yep. Mm. I love Latoya's uh, like reasoning on this rating. This is one of one of her highest ratings, I think. Um, yeah, and, like I think that for for a self proclaimed scaredy cat, I feel like Latoya has yet to be, you know, significantly scared by this show. Well, what's been really interesting because now we're seventeen episodes in, right? And so, like, I think we've we're learning as as a, a group of folks uh, watching the X Files, we're learning about Latoya Ferguson. And what mm. we're learning is that if the television cre- is the, if the script or the direction or anything about the episode of television strikes her in a way that, you know, gives her a lot of opinions, that will override her fear. So, you know, like she she has had there have been episodes that might be like scary to just your layman, your average layman mm. like Kristen Russo, but Latoya's over there, you know, in her TV wizard head so Mm -hmm. preoccupied with you know certain television-esque things that she doesn't get scared by the poltergeists but go ahead a good way to inoculate yourself against potential (laughs) terror (laughs) but explain latoya's 2.75 out of 5 here so latoya writes this is much more of a tense than spooky episode i looked back on what i gave ice and eve to put this just a step below them. But this whole episode is also the tone I think I always expected and wanted ultimately of the show. Nonstop tension as a political thriller. I think I found a lot of things kind of too laid back and I want to be stressed out by the show, not just by the theme music. <laughs> yeah. And I, th- I thought we're going to hear from LaToya later in the episode because this is the February sweeps episode. I'm not going to say anything more about it because that's not my field of expertise, but this is an important mm-hmm. episode for the series. And LaToya will talk a little bit more about why. Uh, and and I really agree in the in the sense of like, oh, this is what I also imagined the X-Files to be more often than not. Because uh, this is not a, what do, what do we call it? Case file of the week episode. This is a, what do you call the other one? Myth arc. A myth arc. Uh, this is a myth arc, a really big myth arc episode. Like I would not be surprised if this is a longer pod for us because I feel like there's some heavy hitting things to talk about in here. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I wrote a lot of stuff down, Jenny. Wow. I can't wait to hear all of it. 
big feelings on this app. Lots to enjoy. Uh, you know, happy to see that the lone gunmen are here. What a <laughs> thrill. I think as myth arc episodes go, you know, this is this is definitely near the top of what we've seen so far for me. This is the first myth arc episode written by Morgan and Wong. Great job, guys. Way to go. I've, I Nailing fucking it. love this episode because I, you know, the last couple episodes have been struggling a bit. And I, you know, I, like I, I'm always in my head like, well, you know, with Buffy, like as I got to know the characters more, like I could come back to episodes and be more into them and blah, blah, blah. So like maybe that's just the vibe. But watching this and episodes, I mean, you know, this is not the first banger of an episode, at least in my opinion. Um, watching this was like, okay, okay. These are the questions that, like, I thought that the show was going to be asking. These are the, like, the movement that the show is going to have. I mean, they are all over the fucking place in this episode, tracking down this extraterrestrial biological entity. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so I loved it. I thought it was fucking great. And I also was stoked about the lone gunman. Um I've given them names, Jenny. Do you do you want me to give you those up at the top here? Oh, let's wait until we meet them and you can tell me who they are. Great, 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 great. Uh, well, then, why don't we go to, as the <laughs> lower third says, the skies of Iraq. It just, it just, like, I understand it's like the sky. It just feels like the sky above Iraq would be, like, more of an accurate uh, description. <laughs> there was something very, like, unnecessarily poetic about, like, the skies of Iraq. <laughs> Uh, Kristen, what is held in the loving bosom of the skies of Iraq? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, the stars, a zippy little aircraft, a radar swooper is swooping away. Mm -hmm. There's a skittery little UFO. And cute little guy. This pilot shoots it right out of the sky. Yeah. I mean, he thinks to his to his defense, he definitely thinks he's under attack. Um, sure. when he shoots it out of the sky. Um, I is the game where you that like would go along with Miss Pac-Man and you'd choose one or the other Galaga. Is that the name of the what's the Galaga is definitely a game. Is it a game where you like fly through the sky and a little thing and you pew 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 pew? Sounds right. This just like had very Galaga vibe. The little the little guy, the little UFO guy that may he rest in peace. That the little UFO blinky guy just gave me Galaga vibes. If I, I'm glad that I had the right video game. Um, okay, okay, okay. All right. So the little UFO crashes, and it crashes into what is um, an American army base in Turkey. Uh, they are like, there's a down craft. And everyone's like, there was nothing in the sky. And they're like, there's a fucking down craft. Um, and then we see another little blinker in the sky, which is this guy's bud. He's like, oh, no, Phil. Phil, you know, and Phil's not doing so hot down there in the field. Sorry, so, Phil. Yeah. Go to the credits. Okay. At 12.20 a.m. in Reagan, Tennessee, a trucker with a great profile mm -hmm. and an outstanding jacket mm -hmm. is having some mysterious radio trouble. Now, I'm wondering, he's listening to the Grand Ole Opry and they're advertising headache powder is he experiencing a time 
wobble oh, of some kind. Oh, cool, Jenny. I like that. Yeah, because I don't know Does about... anyone sell a headache powder? I've never even heard of headache powder. It definitely Oh, my God. But I'm looking. I Googled it, and there, there's so much headache powder in, in the world. <laughs> what do you do? Never mind. Snort it? What do you do with headache powder? Uh, maybe you... Stir it up like a... Put it into a liquid. Oh, interesting. Faster into your bloodstream as a powder than a pill kind of vibes? You place one powder on tongue every six hours Ew. while symptoms persist. Dry? One powder on <laughs> tongue. <laughs> and then drink a full glass of water with each dose. This or sounds... you may stir powder into a glass of water or other liquid. Okay, what kind of fucking freak puts a fucking scoop of powder on their tongue when they could stir I want to try it. It sounds like a pixie stick. <laughs> Jenny wants ate dog food. So, you know, some of us eat uh, try... dog treats. Okay. I mean, oh, dog so treats. <laughs> so sorry. Uh, you were a good. You were a very good boy. You got some dog treats. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Either way, I still love your theory that there's a time wobble because I have a lot of questions about time in general later in this episode. Mm. Um, but yeah, this guy's looking good, driving his truck with his gun and in interrupting his his radio program about headache powder. He's hearing folks uh, talk about red and green lights that they've seen in the sky. Um, then like a, uh, Jenny, a cop car goes by with its sirens on. And I was like, is this, are the police chasing the UFO? What is hot? Like, where is the cop car going that I was confused about what the mission of that cop car was? Yeah. Shrug emoji. Great. Uh, mysterious. (laughs) Then also a question. These are boring. I'm sorry, but I, does he shoot into the sky or into the back of his truck? Where is he shooting? <laughs> no one knows. Anywhere's good enough. Okay. When there's a huge fucking spaceship overhead. But like, let's dial this back, right? Okay. Ranheim is, we don't know this yet in the episode, but like, I need to, for my brain, understand. Ranheim is part of the military. He has been hired to drive a truck that has the recovered alien inside of it but the aliens are looking for phil they need phil back Mm -hmm. so he's worried when he stops the truck that the aliens will hurt him to get phil so he shoots at the sky question mark okay then later Mulder asks him when he stopped feeling like himself and I was like is the alien inside of ranheim now i i just there were a few lines that really threw me but all that to say, what do you call that big uh, spaceship in Star Wars? Uh, the the Death Star. The Death Star flies overhead. This is the Death Star, right? So big. So big. Oh my God, Jenny. We gotta, we... How can I? The um, is it? Are you saying, oh my God, to Mulder's little radioactive zip zapper? I like there is not enough time for us to because you know that when we do our live events, we're always going to walk out with flashlights. But like after I saw this episode, I was like, how do I get a zip zap gun? Because it's incredible. It's like this long rectangle with a lightning bolt kind of like down the (laughs) side of it. It looks like what like if you were a 12 year old. I was going to say a 12-year-old boy because, you know, the patriarchy just makes me assume that if you're dressing up as a space mm-hmm. creature, you'd be a boy in the 90s. But if you were a 12-year-old and you were making a costume of, like, a space warrior or whatever, this is what you would make as your, like, bing-bang gun. That's what this gun is. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it actually yeah. is is can, is testing the radioactivity of the area. 
Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So I want nothing more than to obtain this device and zap myself with it. Just see how radioactive you are. Yeah. 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 Uh, Kristen, I was in the last four days, I've been stung by at least four bees. And I realized that the likelihood of one of them being radioactive (laughs) and giving me bee powers is like quite low. But I'm putting you on alert. Wow. You know, you start noticing me developing compound eyes you know if you see something say something yeah i'll be on the lookout i actually i went to my local coffee shop today and there was a guy on his motorcycle who was like just all up in his own shirt and then as i like walked by he was he said to the guy next to him i just got stung by a bee it flew up my shirt it stung me it flew up my shirt and it stung me and after hearing your reports of getting stung by bees i was like should we all be concerned are the bees angrier this year uh, than prior years. So if you've been stung by an angry bee, just call us at 1-800-BEE-STING. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, okay. So let's hear a clip from What about 1-800-I'M-STUNG? Well, okay. <laughs> Jenny and I are writing a book right now, and the book writing process is exactly what you just heard. Like, that. <laughs> that, that is the book writing process. Um just jumping off jumping off my idea of making it better which honestly you do so i'm trying to make a joke but it's for real anyway in the woods Mulder and scully are having an exchange which delighted me to no end um this back and forth is making dreams come true yeah let's hear it yeah and just so you know just be warned because scully for no reason whatsoever is going to be shouting a little bit at the top we don't know why she's shouting so much for the first line but just (laughs) you're warned let's hear this clip from the trucker's description the shape he fired upon could conceivably have been a mountain lion's conceivably the national weather service last night reported atmospheric conditions in this area which were possibly conducive to lightning possibly It is feasible that the truck was struck by lightning, creating the electrical failure. It's feasible. And you know there's a marsh over there. Those lights the driver saw may have been swamp gas. Swamp gas? Possibly. Feasible. Conceivably. Oh, I love these two. Just Scully's so like, it's a mountain lion. It's lightning. It's swamp gas. And Mulder's like, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's little greenies. Uh, oh God, Mulder makes, in my opinion, a really unfortunate do- Dodger dogs joke uh, that I assumed you would be really mad at him for making, Jenny. Disgusting, disgusting. <laughs> um, also, but- Latoya made the point. What is Mulder doing eating Dodger dogs? He lives in D.C. He works on the East Coast. How often is he getting to Los Angeles? Well, I mean, they were just out there in the episode uh, that sounds just like this one, but it has a V instead of a B. In Eve, they went out to L.A. Maybe he had a Dodger dog then, you know? Uh... Maybe Mulder just calls hot dogs Dodger dogs like we call tissues Kleenex. Like maybe he got like misinformed. Oh, my God. Mulder references investigating multiple sightings at Okoboji? No, he says there were... That no other multiple sightings have had. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess by extrapolation, he is suggesting there were multiple sightings at Okoboji. Yeah. He also pronounces 
Data as Dada. <laughs> he says Dada. Maybe he was talking about I'm tossing, I'm taking this opportunity to toss a file on your desk, Kristen. <laughs> what the fuck? All right. So Mulder, after saying Dada, uh, does his little stopwatch trick. He does it twice in this episode. And I have a lot of questions. Um, he has, A, left one of the stopwatches somewhere else outside of the immediate area of EBE, whatever, and one inside. Let's just say that's the case. Or they're both inside the EBE area. Is time, are we to learn in this episode that time moves? I mean, we lost nine seconds in the pilot. So what nine is- Nine minutes, no? Um, nine, yes, you're right, nine minutes. That's a lot more than nine seconds. So what, <laughs> just like, what, I just would like to know more about the time of it all, you know? I think in one of my crystal it's, balls, I talked about the folds of time and space. And so maybe I'm, <laughs> maybe I'm onto something. Yeah. I mean, at least some version of you is or was or will be. I know. God, that's freaky. Okay. Let's go to the police station. <laughs> Uh, Ranheim says this charges horse manure, and I'm like, hell yeah, sir. <laughs> Take me back to my grandparents' house. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Ranheim is pissed to be held here. He's also coughing a lot. He also has, like, a rash on his face. He hates Scully so much. Scully, <laughs> Scully just tries to give him a glass of water and he's like literally can barely breathe. And he's like, he's like, fuck, fuck, your, fuck your water. Fuck your water, Dana. Take your fucking water. And yeah, um, Scully asks him if well, she's basically saying, like, if he fought in the Gulf War, maybe this is Gulf War syndrome. A lot of conversation amongst us and producer Latoya Ferguson. Like, so is it problematic to suggest that UFOs might be the cause of Gulf War syndrome? And I am not an expert at all. I did very preliminary. I've heard of Gulf War syndrome, you know, as a as like a kid of the 90s who was growing up at this time and when this war was happening. Um, but I was like, let me learn a little bit more about what the vibe is here. And like here in 94, because basically... And this has happened with other wars in different ways. Like soldiers were coming back with all kinds of like ailments that were very physical, um, where I think in the beginning people were like, well, it's like post-traumatic stress. And, you know, it's like a physical manifestation of like the stressors of being at war. Um, but the vibe was actually that there were a lot of various chemicals um, used, a lot of vaccinations given like simultaneously when soldiers were going over to these other countries. Um, and so like, it's, I don't even know that there's still like a concrete like these are the things that caused this syndrome that like hundreds of thousands of soldiers on both sides of the Iraq war. If that's not a weird is there a both sides that feels like probably a thing that you could say better. Um, but that like folks were sick and no one really knew the why, especially in 1994. And it wound up being chemical, like a lot of chemicals were the source. So I, I don't know if it's super problematic because really at the heart of it, Mulder is suggesting that the like f the fumes the toxic fumes the weapons used they may be unfamiliar to human bodies and this could be a cause and so like if you take the glitzy glam of ufo out of the equation it's not that far off the mark right like human bodies being subjected to chemicals and things that they do not have the ability to process and getting sick from that so i really like when genre shows and other, you know, genre storytelling recontextualizes yeah. some historical 
thing. Like, I'm watching Doctor Who for the first time right now. And spoilers for the beginning of David Tennant's first season. Uh, He travels back. What? said you're going to spoil me right now. I am. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Basically, the home of a historical figure is besieged by a werewolf. And at the very end, she receives a werewolf nick. And then it's revealed through conversation between the doctor and Rose that that historical figure was like known to be like a hemophiliac or or something like having a a rare blood situation that like they're basically like attributing that to sort of like the werewolf gene kind of like winnowing and waning. (laughs) How am I doing? I mean, you were doing you know great. When you're and then you said winnowing and, and waning. And we've just like, <laughs> that was like the moment the plane's wheels took off the tarmac, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I, I agree. I think it is. Um, and like, But also you run the risk of, yeah, the, the risk is run of potentially, you know. But I, and yeah, like downplaying this very serious thing, but I, I don't, I, you know, Kristen Russo having never uh, served one minute in the military nor having any experience with anything of the sort, it doesn't feel like this is downplaying the syndrome at all. It just, it just feels to me like, hey, we, I mean, honestly, it feels kind of on point to me. We don't know a lot about what the government does with chemicals hard stop but certainly in fucking warfare are you kidding me so like it just seems like an extension of the truth really more than anything else um if you disagree you can email us at hello at buffering cast um well i'm not you don't have to agree with us that's just my opinion all right so this is when Mulder asks ranheim the the real it's posited like this is the real question and he says how long have you not been yourself and ranheim says <laughs> since last night and that's when the cops come in and they're like that's it ranheim you're out of here you take your truck and go and Mulder, no you can't look at the truck like what <laughs> happened i don't the cop says just go away amazing the cop said no fbi agents allowed he wrote it on a piece <laughs> of construction paper and hung it on his office oh door oh my god he really did Oh, God. I just don't. And I don't we don't even have to talk about it. But I just want everyone to know that I don't understand what that exchange was all about or what Ranheim not being himself has anything to do with anything. All right. Rental car counter. We love they're not getting a a bu car in this episode. They're going straight to the actual rental counter. This is just a regular folks rental counter. <laughs> bu car. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> we have an inside we have an inside source at the at the bureau and that's what they call their cars, bu cars. Wow, amazing. I love it. So at the counter, Mulder is like, Ranheim was hiding something. Scully is about to sign the agreement. And then the woman next to her is like, can I use your pen? And signs something and then hands the pen back to Scully. We will later learn that this pen is bugged. Again, I do not understand what happens here or why this pen exchange is a thing. Do you have any answer for me? Scully's getting bugged. Is that lady doing it? Mm. She does not seem like a bugging kind of lady. <laughs> She doesn't seem like a bugging kind of lady. And she also like she just has so little time. She would have had to have Scully's exact pen and swap them out. Right. I think it's just a way for the pen to be like introduced and like, oh, that lady used all her ink. (laughs) Oh, okay, okay. So later when she's like, I don't have any ink in my pen. No, Kristen, 
ballpoint pens use petroleum-based ink, and one ballpoint refill lasts for so long. Mm. So incredibly long. The odds of that pen running out just after that woman borrowed it are so low. But here we are. Jenny, for the uninitiated, Jenny Owen Youngs did spend some time working at a fancy pen store. So, Jenny, you know, actually know a lot more about pens than the average Joe. I know a little. A ballpoint, one ballpoint pen refill will last an average of, are you ready, mm-hmm. 300 legal size pages. She's in the FBI, Jenny. She's literally taking notes all the time. Actually, when yeah, she's, she's taking notes on her t- computer. She's like, dear frigging electronic diary. What you don't see is that right below the keyboard is where she wrote those notes. She's just transcribing. <laughs> she's transcribing. Them. Okay. So basically, this conversation around, okay, maybe UFOs cause uh, Gulf War syndrome, or we can call them classified aircraft or whatever we need to call them. But I'm just saying that the exhaust or the fuel from these unknown things, maybe they cause something. And Scully says, well, there is a base in Little Rock. Uh, And then that is when Mulder tells her about a very fun group of uh, government watchdogs. They publish a paper, a magazine called the lone mm. gunman these guys he says are downright spooky it's frigging conspiracy theory corner over here they've been saving up all of their best material waiting for Mulder to drop by they're like rattling them off rapid fire oh my god I love it so much I love how they also roast Mulder like they literally are just like there to make fun of Mulder Scully loves that they're making fun of Mulder uh-huh, uh-huh, this is uh-huh. like what's the episode conduit no not conduit what's the one with Max in the trailer that episode it's like when they go into max's trailer this is like that energy between scully and Mulder cranked up to a hundred of just like scully being like how did my career as a medical professional land me in a room with these three guys how and Mulder being like lol scully's here with my buddies lol 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 <laughs> um, uh, that was fallen angel the episode you fallen were referring angel. to yeah i named them do you want to hear their names uh yes what please tell me the names of these men okay the lone gunmen are garth jim from the office and grandpa i will call them that for the rest of the television show (laughs) uh garth i'm with you uh that's langley uh (laughs) grandpa is frohickey definitely (laughs) and um what was the third jim from the office is the one that is so I know that I have something that I'm reaching for in my soul for him. Yeah. But I decided That's... that even if he is not the the Jim from the office, he can be He's a Jim, a from, Jim an from an office. But there is That's... someone in my mind and I, I could not put my finger on it. That's Byers. Are you maybe thinking of like Ed Norton by any chance? No. Like you Ed know... Norton in a Wes Anderson movie? No. With a goatee. Anyway. Ah, Jim from N Office. Sure, yes. Um, Garth is like, hey, is this your skeptical partner? <laughs> uh, <laughs> grandpa says, of course, total grandpa. She's hot twice until Mulder is like, settle down, sir. <laughs> uh, Byers takes a $20 bill from Scully and pulls the magnetic strip out. 
Listen, Kristen. She's so mad. Listen to me. Listen. listen to me. I'm listening. That's forty one dollars and twenty five cents in twenty twenty three money. It's a lot of money. I'd be mad be if you defacing. ripped my twenty right now, you know. But you could probably still tape that back together and spend it. Maybe. You just got to use it at a place where they don't care so much about ripped money, you know? Yeah. So what do you think? Uh, you think uh, Scully's being tracked? All of her 20s are being tracked every sh- every time she uh, gets on a flight? Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think, I mean, at this, you know, you know what the thing is, is like, we're answering this question in the year 2023 when like, clearly the government doesn't need to use fucking shit in cash anymore. They've got us all rigged up. Everybody's got 17 fucking cellular devices. We're so trackable. It's fucking insane. So like, that's probably why to me right now, I'm like, no, I don't think it's in the money. But in 1993, I probably would have had a different 13 year old me would have been like, oh, fucking get this. The, mm. I was thinking I'm Jenny, using only quarters from here on out. Yeah. I was thinking when I saw this scene about them cutting the strip out of the 20 about like being in elementary school and in middle school and stuff and like learning that there were like secrets on bills that you could find. And I was like, I wonder in the zeitgeist, if that's the right word, if like the ex like things shows like this conversations like this kind of led to like us as kids hearing a thing about a dollar bill or like how to find this thing you know mm. just wondered if there's any yeah. connection um anyway they laugh at Mulder's theory that Gulf War syndrome is caused by UFOs and say your ideas are weirder than ours to which Scully is laughing so hard on the inside <laughs> that you can see it in her eyes you know oh my god I can't wait to play this next sound clip we leave the lone gunman we go to the fucking office, the basement office. Let's just hear, let's just hear it. Let's just, no setup, just go. Those were the most paranoid people I have ever met. I don't know how you could think that what they say is even remotely plausible. I think it's remotely plausible that someone might think you're hot. Scully does not know what to do in this moment. She looks startled. She is frozen she's like but then (laughs) she like metabolizes it immediately and then just like goes back to business she's like she basically i feel like has the same impact as when Mulder is like when Mulder like lobs uh a zany theory in her direction something that feels far-fetched she's like okay Mulder's muldering out right now i don't know i like for me the vibes i got from her response was this like this is a thing that we have both felt inside that we agreed upon never saying out loud without saying that we agreed upon it. And you've just said it out loud. And now I don't know what to do. Like she told her friend Beth, you know, like you tell your friend Beth. Her friend Beth. Wasn't that her name? You know, the one that was like, he's divorced. Oh, her friend who she's the godparent to the son of. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if her name's Beth, but you know, it just, it's a bold, that was a, Fucking bold choice by Fox Mulder. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, luckily, you know, a great thing to distract from when your business partner says that you are hot is finding that someone, unbeknownst to you, has put a bug in your <gasps> pen. Imagine finding a bug in your pen, Kristen. No, 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 I couldn't. I would be very scared. But are we, I mean, there's a, there's 47 bugs on my desktop right now. You know what I mean? Do people even bug people anymore? Or do they just like hop into their iPhone? Right. It's so sad. Yeah. I've bugged myself for your convenience. (laughs) 
Okay. Okay. There's only one thing to do when your work girlfriend's pen turns out to be bugged. And that, Kristen, is go home, go to your little lamp next to the window, unscrew the regular bulb, screw in the blue bulb, open the blinds, and wait until a phone rings and the closed captioning says, secret code click. Oh, he puts the blue light on because that's his code for Deep Throat to call him? Uh, yeah. What did you think he was doing? I don't know. I was like... Vibing? Yeah, I was like, is it... You know how sometimes, like, if people go away for a long time, they buy those little things you plug into the wall and it looks like you're watching the TV? Like, it, like, comes on at night? Oh, okay. I thought... I was like, is this how Mulder, like, pretends that he's, like, watching TV? Is it, like, a safety measure? Like, what is happening? Okay. That you're, uh, it's not a theory. That's just for real. That makes so much more sense. But also when he lays down, he lays on the couch. And Jenny, in an earlier crystal ball, you were like, what kind of bed do you think Mulder sleeps in? And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, what if Mulder doesn't sleep in a bed? What if he just (laughs) sleeps on the couch? This is not Mulder's bed. This is Mulder's couch. You will encounter his bed eventually. Okay, okay, okay. Secret code click. How do they know where to meet each other? I ask at the bench and then Again. especially at the aquarium. How? I, it's really, I don't know. Is that, did the secret code click Morse code um, bench by all the buildings yeah. in the official government district? Where the sharks swim in just clicks? <laughs> like what? Either way, they meet at the bench. Um, <gasps> Did you know, happen to notice what Mulder is snacking on? Sunflower seeds? Yeah, that's right. He's also fucking chomping on him in the car later. Yes. Mulder is really, I feel like Mulder is just really coming alive for me. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. He's really starting to like, he's because star- he's he looks like a little boy a lot more often in the last like handful of episodes than I feel like he has which I feel like is the thing that makes me really love Mulder or like you know in like the Buffy verse how Willow you have sympathy for Willow just because of her little face and like her sweet and like that when Mulder gets like really amped up on stuff and is just so excited it's like I just have a very big soft spot for him and I felt that a lot in this episode yeah for sure I'm with you I'm with you they have a conversation about your favorite sport, Jenny, baseball. I do love baseball. I do not like baseball. Why? What's not to love? The I American mean, like, I son. celebrate it for everyone else. I like baseball if it's a real close game. High stakes. Baseball's got to be high stakes for me to enjoy it. Otherwise, I am so bored. I just get so bored. I need <laughs> I need a fast pace. I need something in between basketball and baseball, which is football. Okay. <laughs> Basketball is too fast. I can't follow the ball. I don't never know where the ball is. Baseball is too slow. I always know where the ball is. Move it along, folks. Let's But what about pick up the when pace. <laughs> what about an unexpected smackaroo friggin' homer? What about a grand slam walk off? Oh my god. Well, that's what I we s- did it. Listen, if I'm sitting at a baseball game and I'm not paying attention cuz I'm bored and then all of a sudden like the score is tight and the bases are full. Now I'm there. Like, I am fully in. It's just that, listen, you're a baseball fan, so you know. Like, that does not happen all the time. That is less common than the more common you hit the ball, you run. You hit the ball, you run. You hit the ball, you run. Just saying. <sighs> to each their own, Kristen. <laughs> to each their own. 
Uh, okay, so Mulder asks who the fuck is listening to them and wants to know what he's on to. Deep Throat, who I now refer to in my notes as just DT, uh, hands him an envelope and he says <laughs> that Mulder is on a dangerous path. This is like Jerry Harden is Deep Throat, right? Yes. This is like a Jerry Harden special episode of the week. I mean, this is more Deep Throat than we've gotten since the start of the series. This is all the Deep Throat that we've had combined into one. Jerry Harden, take us on a journey. This is good shit. This is like all my crystal balls have been leading to this moment, you know? Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. So back at the office, Mulder is reading what was in the envelope, which is a true thing, a transcript of the opening scene that we saw where this uh, fighter jet is in the sky, the skies of (laughs) Iraq. And what was enclosed in the envelope was actually the cold open of this episode. Literally, it was a script. Um, Scully comes in and she has information. The truck is bogus. So is Ranheim. They listed the weight of this truck at 3,100 pounds and the weigh station shows it at 5,100 pounds. It's incredible to Hmm. me that this UFO and the extraterrestrial biological entity weighs an exact 2,000, you know, 2,000. That's how much it weighs. On the dot. On the dot. Um, And Ranheim was in the Gulf War. He said he wasn't. Also, that's not his name. His name is Frank Druce. And he's been sick for a lot longer than he said. He's gone to the VA hospital three times in the past year. Mulder's pissed. Lies all the way down, Kristen. We had it and we let it go. You know, he's just real mad. (laughs) (laughs) And then what? And then what did they say? Oh, my God. Okay, so... Mulder says to Scully that Ranheim was probably transporting this crashed craft that he's learned about. And Scully is like, Skirk, what? Where did you learn this information? This is the vibe where, like, you are in a partnership and suddenly your partner is saying that they've that they've done this thing with this other person, but you didn't know anything about it. This is what? Who are you talking to that is not your partner? And why are you keeping secrets from me? Scully is not happy. Let's hear their exchange. Where did you obtain this information? Let's just say it's a source with a deep background. I want to know all about him. All I know is that he's guided us away from harm. How do you know that? We work for the Federal Bureau of Investigation and we're being bugged. What does that tell you? That tells me that not everything is as it appears to be. Exactly. And for all we know, this deep background is the one responsible for the bug. He's never lied to me. I won't break that confidence. I trust him. Mulder, you're the only one I trust. Then you're going to have to trust me. We've been asking this question for a while, Jenny. Why would you not tell Scully? You know how sometimes people do things on TV and you don't know why? Latoya's theory I mean, is like daddy issues to the max. Like that, that the relationship. Daddy issues to the max. Yeah. The possibility. There could be a couple things going on. It could be that deep down in Mulder's heart, he is afraid that Deep Throat is full of shit. Mm. And also, there's the possibility that he feels like he's protecting Scully in some way by not cluing her into this layer i don't know i think if he thinks he's protecting anyone it's deep throat you know like it doesn't seem (laughs) 
I know that Mulder loves Scully, and I know that when once Scully is in danger, Mulder will do anything to make sure she's not in danger. But I have never seen Mulder do anything to keep her out of danger. <laughs> <laughs> so such a good point. <sighs> Either way, I am Team Scully on this one. He should have told her way earlier than now. He should be telling her right now. They are a they're a partnership. They're a team. And that means that they have to trust each other enough to share things. And I I think that your first theory is correct, that he's afraid of finding out that, like, there's something not true about this, because really, this is his entire sister vibe. Right. If this comes crashing down, then what does that mean about the fate of his sister and like all that stuff later when Scully challenges Deep Throat? I mean, he throws like a full 12 year old tantrum, you know, and we'll talk about it. But I think it supports your theory that he doesn't tell her because he doesn't want to find out that it's not real. Yeah. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Okay. The truck is heading west. Mulder's going to grab a few things, meet Scully at her place. Mulder pops home. <laughs> And sitting in the dark, <laughs> having cut the breaker like a total drama queen, is Deep Throat. He's dropping off an envelope, and Mulder's like, by the way, Dad, I just wanted to say thanks for being there for me. And Deep Throat's like, yeah, I gotta go, so I'll, yep, bye. Uh, yeah, yeah, Deep Throat is like, oh, I went on such a journey with Deep Throat in this episode, you know? Oh, God. He leaves. Mulder looks at the photo. He's so fucking excited. He can't get to Scully's fast enough. He's like, He's I like, have... This is the best UFO photo I have ever seen. Scully takes like one look at it and is like, this photo is fake. Which becomes this photo e is so fake. It becomes even funnier, Jenny, when later at the aquarium, Deep Throat is like, oh, you should probably at least be proud of my work with that photo. The best in our department did it. And we're, and we're like, dude, the best in your department put two different moons on a photo. Like, come on. Boo. Um, but yeah. Scully says it's a fake Mulder. Mulder now is making all of the excuses that Scully was making at the top of the episode about what it could be. Uh, but he is trying to believe with his excuses. I drew a little diagram um, in, my, in my notes, which is just like Scully is uh, it's a mm, I don't know if you would call it a continuum because it, it all goes to the center. And at the center is the truth. And all the way over here is Mulder, and all the way over here is Scully. And somewhere between them, maybe right in the middle, is where the truth is. And that's what this episode taught me, Jenny, is that Mulder <laughs> believes too you hard. Had to draw, you had to draw a diagram for that. <laughs> yeah, I did. I drew it twice. I drew it once with my Apple Pencil, <laughs> and then I transcribed it into my notes. Okay. Thank you. Kristen. What? It's yeah, a, No, that's good. I love your uh, dedication. 
It's incredible stuff. God, you know what? Deep Throat would appreciate me. I'm gonna I'm gonna need to take that diagram down to handwriting analysis <laughs> stat. <laughs> I do though, in all seriousness, really like this idea that like Mulder believes too hard and Scully doesn't believe enough. You know? Because we've yep. gotten that Scully doesn't believe enough. And we've gotten like, you know, the Mulder like caressing a photo of a girl that looks like his sister, like maybe he's too emotionally <laughs> invested. But <laughs> this episode I feel like really it takes it home. Oh, God. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, my God. Is that man at the mantle <laughs> fingering other people's family photographs? <laughs> All right. So this clip we heard at the opening, um, it's between Mulder and Scully and it's really, I mean, I don't know how, how you feel about this, but I think it's really sweet. Scully is, is sort of saying, like, I see your passion and your dedication, um, but sometimes it is so intense that it's blinding. And I am here to be your partner, but there are people out there that are going to use that to fuck with you. Um, and I respect and admire you, but they're going to, like, use it as a form of sabotage. And then she says, Mulder, the truth is out there. But so are lies. This is, are you ready? Let's just say, hypothetically, mm-hmm. eventually they kiss and fall in love and are together forever. Mm-hmm. And then they die and they're buried next to each other. Mm-hmm. Mulder's tombstone. The truth is out there. Scully's <laughs> tombstone. But so are lies. Smooch. This is my, my diagram. My beautiful drawing. <laughs> It's oh my god! It's Mulder and Scully, and they're all pointing towards the truth, but also pointing towards Smooch. Smooch, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> FBI headquarters. Scully puts her gorgeous briefcase. Oh my god! On the desk. It took me a long. She sets it upright. She goes to get coffee. She comes back. It's on its side. We're all stressed out, but it's just Mulder. Mulder's here. Mulder walked in and was like, flank, like knocked it over. Yeah, for he was no just reason. like, I'm still mad. <laughs> Uh, Scully drinks her coffee with cream, no sugar. I think that's a character. I think that's the correct character choice. Love to see it. Uh, okay, yeah. Mulder's like, Scully, I have to, I have to blow the lid off this thing right now. You're not gonna believe this. This photo is fake. <laughs> he took that photo <sighs> to the FBI's art department, and he said, Holy hocus focus, get it into focus. Enlarged the moon's reflection by 25. 25 right. what? Now. <laughs> 25 what? Jenny, okay, okay, hold on. I have a couple of, I have a pair of emails from a listener that I think it would be fun to read right now. Are you down for this? I'm ready. All right, this is our listener, Laura. Laura first wrote in when we m- made fun of the fact that they could tell the height of the plane by their little audio clip, right? We were like, LOL. Okay, so I'm gonna, this is Laura's introduction, is this, and then it will connect to the enhance, 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 okay? Laura excited. Laura says, on your most recent episode, this was from a little while ago, you asked about the realism of determining altitude from a phone recording. Well, I work in the area. 
I'm happy to tell you that this is something that is not only technically possible, but it's done frequently. It might not be done with phone recordings, but it's definitely done with general environmental recordings. I'm an applied mathematician, but I worked on such- Of course you are. Of course you are, Laura. Uh, But I worked on such inverse problems, and now I'm an acoustic signal processing engineer. I don't oh want my to, God, what? I don't want to get too deep into the physics and math, but basically you can identify different sources of noise by looking at visual representations of audio through FRAZ images. It's like capital F-R-A-Z images or spectrograms. Wow. Then you can isolate that source by increasing the frequency it is loudest on. Use methods to remove other sources, then suppress noise. So now you have an isolated recording of the plane. Plane signals would be received differently depending on the altitude of the plane emitting them. So you can do another inverse problem to estimate altitude. This is done all the time. I work in underwater acoustics, but I did a bit of this estimation in grad school. Get the fuck out of here, Laura. This is incredible. Yeah. So, what a tremendous gift. Yeah. And she says, despite the X-Files getting a lot of science wrong, they got this right. Now, if you have it in your heart... I would like to also, Laura sent another email about Enhance, 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 which is why I set up this introduction. Please. It is absolutely possible to extract more information from an image than what what you see with your facial. What? (laughs) Okay. I can't recall exactly the example on the podcast that you mentioned, but I think it was a man with a beard and hat appearing out of the enhancement. It was. It was the ghost. (laughs) It was the ghost. Which, like, Laura is making no claims that ghosts are real. Can you extract more spectral information (laughs) out of an image? Okay. So she says, if you think of an image as a set of data rather than a visual object, that really helps. So image data isn't just those pixel values. If it was just those pixel values, we wouldn't be able to obtain further detail. However, the FBI can often enhance because a photo with pixel (sighs) values is one way to visualize an image. But in that visualization process, you lose information. Going back (gasps) to the data that created the RGB pixel values, we can then apply masks and filters and various denoising methods to isolate certain areas (gasps) or to decrease blurriness or highlight objects at a certain range. Okay, my first takeaway is, Laura, you're amazing. I'm so glad you're listening to the show, and thank you so much for writing into us. This my second takeaway is so I made an enhanced <laughs> jingle for absolutely no reason. Uh, listen, no, your enhanced jingle is a delight, and we all enjoy it. Inclu- I'm speaking for Laura, but I know that I'm correct in saying that even Laura loves your enhanced jingle. <laughs> but this is wild. It's like we are, you know, we have a lot of knowledge in our brain about things like vampires and, um, you know, demons, some Latin from our journey through Buffy. But it's just incredible to me what we're going to know about like enhancing and noise and government by the time we're done with this wow yeah this is this is tremendous i i never cease to be amazed by the vast wealth and variety of incredibly specific knowledge held in the minds of our listenership incredible uh bless you all thank you so much mm-hmm. okay Kristen. Take me to the aquarium. Take me specifically to a tank that seems to be populated entirely by black tip reef sharks and hippo tangs. They are going nuts in there. What's a hippo tang? It's a kind of shark? Uh, No, a hippo tang is a fish Hmm. uh, that is blue with a yellow 
tail. And they kind of have some black stripies on oh, the sort okay. of top half of their body. You, if you rewatch the aquarium scene, you'll see that there are just there's just a zillion of them in but there. The sharks with don't the eat black the hippo sharks, so they don't eat them, right? They're not there for food; they're just there for pals. They're there to chill. They're there, yeah. uh, not just for a good time, but also for a long time. Yeah, great. <laughs> All right, so. I was. Is that not the point of the scene? Uh, no, that's for me to enjoy the, this beautiful that's shark the a footage. Plot. That's the A plot. The B plot. Right, 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 right. Is that uh, Deep Throat is there, Mulder is there, and Mulder is like, Dad, how could you fucking do this to me? And Deep Throat is like, Hey, pal, I placed <laughs> my life. Like, Compliments to you, good sir. You <laughs> solved my. Uh, Serious word. You solved my naughty little riddle. Oh my god. Deep throat's like Oreo theory of lying. Just like if you just put the if you put the lie, that's the white stuff in the middle of the cream and the Oreo. In between two truths, that's the cookie. Then it's easier to have your lie believed. What about if you took like a bunch of Oreos? Uh-huh. And you had one and then you took the top off another one and stuck it to the bottom. You know what I mean? So you're like getting you like built a... to the cream. You built the lies. The lies are being built up in the middle. No, no. You're just like, like okay, like think of a Big Mac. <laughs> bun, burger, bun, burger, bun. Oh, I see. Okay? I see. I see. So it's it's like a so club cookie, sandwich. cream, cookie, cream, cookie. Got the club sandwich of Oreos. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, this is, I'm just wondering like what happens when the ratio, when the two to one ratio becomes, you know, three to three two. to two and is then it as powerful five to three and then seven to four. <laughs> well, this is pretty important stuff we're, we're digging into, but what else, what else is there to talk about? Oh God. Well, basically, oh my God, if yeah. a shark stops swimming, it will die. Don't stop swimming. D- dude, Deep Throat is fucking leaning. He is like, hey, Cecil and fucking the other guy got their day in the sun with their drama. Yeah, I'm Deep Throat, motherfucker. He's giving us the razzle dazzle. He really is. He says, he's basically saying to Mulder that he watched him for years. He was the angel to Mulder's Buffy, drawn him in charcoal, and this is... He picked him because he knew he could trust him. This is manipulative language. Like, I'm just going to say, I'm I'm not ready to say I don't trust Deep Throat at all. But, like, this vibe, this, like, I watched you and you were the one. You were the special, special one that I picked. That's some manipulative kind of, like, mm, weirdo shit. But he says that he picked Mulder, but he says he is not. There's some truths he cannot know yet that people cannot know yet because they'll flip the fuck out. And then Mulder basically gives us a rendition of we, we didn't start the fire and lists like a bunch of shit that is fucked up that's happening. In the world. <laughs> uh, and he says, where will this end? Like, where will the secret ki- where will people like you keeping secrets from the rest of the people on this planet end i guess it won't as long as men like you decide what is and is not the truth Mm. Mm. powerful that's powerful that's real this is sorry i'm really on a buffy kick today but it's just like this is buffy talking to the fucking watchers council you know what i mean like Mulder is like hey fuck off man like you don't get to decide what what or, or at least why do you get to decide like who gave you the authority to decide what the rest of us are able to learn um, and and know. And 
<laughs> and then to your earlier point, Deep Throat is like, well, <gasps> sharks, uh, if they stop swimming, they die. <laughs> That's an answer. Don't stop swimming. Don't Mr. stop Mulder. swimming. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 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 Uh, just beautiful shark footage. They go out on beautiful shark footage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mulder runs home and tears apart his entire living space. Yeah. And he finds a bug in a power outlet, as we previously discussed. Scully comes over and they do a little radio play oh where God. Mulder's like, I don't believe anything is going on here best for us to give up and live to fight another day. Wouldn't you say, Scully? And Scully's like, yes, I do agree. I literally Um, also wrote a little radio play for them in my notes. (laughs) Like, same vibes. (laughs) They very publicly split up. They go out in public together and then split up, which forces their tails to split, right? These tails are Uh, horrible. Horrible tails. Well, who can keep up with Fox Toretto uh, <laughs> zooming zooming around DC? I love Scully buying a flight and being like, cool, 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 thanks. And then being like, and now I need this other flight and that one I'll be paying in cash. And the airline clerk is like, uh. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is some real 1994 versus 2023 stuff. You can't fly somewhere without everybody knowing no and you also can definitely not be on two flights at the same time they hate that shit they don't they don't like it they do the math oh really well i don't know if that's actually true what i know is that i (laughs) chris is like i drew a diagram and one side of the paper is the airlines and the other side is me buying multiple flights to various destinations no there never the two shall mix there is something i just can't think of the exact math of it but i know that i've been in a situation before where i've tried to like double book a flight or like i've booked a round trip but then i've canceled one leg of the round trip like Uh uh-huh there's something okay i don't have time we have to talk about the fbi (laughs) okay 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 you just couldn't do it today (laughs) Um, i'm sorry i brought it up yeah you should be all right so she flies out of Dulles. He flies out of BWI. The fucking tails didn't have a chance. And they meet at the airport gift shop after using, I guess, the payphones that he calls, uh, Mulder calls it the airphone. I think he just means the payphone at the airport. Um, they've used payphones. So I they- think he was saying he was using a phone on the plane. No. <gasps> I forgot you could do that. <laughs> oh, my God. They, had, they were, like, built into the back of the, like, where the little TVs are now. Yeah, yeah. Wild. Okay, so great. So they both were on the phone. Were you on the plane in 1994 sitting next to Mulder or Scully when they spent the whole flight on the phone? Please tell us all the details. Um, But Mulder was not successful finding the truck. Scully was. They got to fly to Seattle. Okay. And then they just catch it from the roadside. They just sit on the side of the road and eventually they're like, here it is. Let's go. I love this, like, it's, like, so inconsequential, but there's just, like, a moment where Mulder's chomping on his sunflower seeds, and he's like, you know, people just watch these trucks drive by. They have no idea what's inside of them. You know? <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> like, he's just, like, they could be full of sunflower seeds. I don't know. <laughs> uh, once they get moving, Scully's driving, and Mulder is sleeping in the passenger seat, head up, mouth wide open. Oh, my God. Literally, Incredible. Yeah. 
they they get close to the truck and then what appears to be a close encounter happens the light is so bright it looks like a lot of hail is hitting the car the the real way you know it's probably a close encounter is that the, we get a like flash freeze flash freeze in the camera work um now here's to my point earlier Mulder is so excited that he gets out of the car completely, and then he's like, oh, I should check to see if Scully's alive. Like, he's fully out of the car. He's, like, four paces away, and then he comes back, and he's like, hey, are you okay? <laughs> are you all right? <sighs> yeah, the truck also skirked over. Uh, mm-hmm. The driver is nowhere to be seen. They start digging through the boxes in the back of the truck. Behind all of the boxes, Kristen, is a little medical unit and a gurney? Sure. Yes. Sure. And uh, Mulder's like, I think we just witnessed a rescue mission. Cut to commercial. We come back. Scully is so excited. Jenny, she can't stop shaking. Would you say that she wants to believe? I would say she like, it's possible that at this point she wants to believe more than she wants a bath. You know what I mean? Like she is. <laughs> what if you could believe in the bath, Scully? What would you say oh, to that? Shit. Not ready. That's what the sex files are all about. Oh, yes. Um, so real bummer here, because this is the closest we've got to like Scully being all in, is that this actually was a total hoax. This is no. Okay, this is a bummer because Scully is like, tell me it's real. It's real. It's real. And Mulder's like, nope, it's fucking fake. Look, my stopwatches, they took the same time. I, explaining to no one what that means. It's just like if they, <laughs> if they take the same time, no aliens. But if they take different times, totally aliens. Um, <laughs> but, but here's what kills me about this exchange is this this back and forth. Scully asking a completely reasonable question. So you're telling me that the government created this elaborate show with huge effects, fucking hail on the soundstage, like like everything just to deflect us? Why wouldn't they just... And Mulder's like, why wouldn't they just kill us? I've wondered that myself. Maybe they're using me against myself, just like you said before. I want so bad to believe that I just accept the obvious conclusions and then I walk away. And I'm like, my dude, that is not an answer as to why they would not kill you. Like, why would they not just kill you? They can hide secrets as big as a fucking 2,000 pound UFO. What I would like here is for there to be some fucking story where there was a spooky Mulder before spooky Mulder and they killed that guy. But there's like investigations, like they're being like cross investigated by like so, and that's why they can't kill Mulder, you know? Like it just, I need a bigger reason as to why they won't kill Mulder because Scully is yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, they just yeah, yeah. they just made a blockbuster movie just so that Mulder can keep on believing. Like I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, okay. When I find myself in times of trouble. When I'm feeling down because I just uh, almost cracked the case, but then it turns out it was all a ruse and there wa- was no alien in the back of that truck I flew across the country to track down. I like to kick back at a UFO party in the woods. Same. Yeah, they um, they do go to the hotel motel Holiday Inn. Um, they find this UFO party because... Mulder calls a bunch of UFO hotlines and the sightings track the path of the truck. But mm. instead oh, of yeah. instead of the hoax, 
uh, spot, the sightings spiked 100 miles away in Mattawa. So that's where they go, and that's where this UFO party is being held. And, yeah, so the, the party's being held right next to a power plant where UFOs like to hover, apparently. And, oh, look at that. There's Ranheim walking out right now. <laughs> what are the odds? Incredible. Incredible. Mulder's like, we got to get in there. And I know just the guys to help us out. He calls the lone gunman. He talks to Langley and asks for some fake IDs so they can get in to the power plant. And uh, Ibbity Bobbity. Yes, they've got IDs for Tom Braidwood and Val Steffoff. <laughs> now, Jenny, trivia. First of all, it should be noted that it is Garth that gives us the title of the episode because nobody says EBE. They all say extraterrestrial biological entity until Garth says it. So give Garth credit where oh, credit is due. Thank you, Garth. Secondly, trivia that I think you will love, Braidwood and Steffoff. These guys, those last names, they're both first assistant directors on the show, The X-Files. But listen to this. Braidwood plays Frohickey, Grandpa. Ah. He, but he was, a first assi- he was a first assistant director. And then the cat, I'm quoting IMDb now, the casting of Tom Braidwood as Frohickey was absolutely causal, ca- 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 casual. Is it casual or causal? <laughs> causal? Causal? It's spelled like casual, but it doesn't make sense if it's casual. The casting of Tom Braidwood as Frohickey was absolutely casual or causal. We don't know. <laughs> Being that he is an assistant director. When they were looking for Frohickey, nobody found the perfect one. Somebody said something like, quote, we need someone repulsive and with the appearance of Braidwood. So he was <laughs> yes. Oh my God. But like, I think that it means like repulsive, like this dude that's like, oh, she's so hot. She's so hot. But who looks like yeah. Braidwood, like not like repulsive, looks repulsive like Braidwood. Like I think repulsive and looks like Braidwood are two separate things. Kristen, this is not the last time we'll see someone go from behind the camera to in front of the camera or vice versa. Oh my God. Far that- from the last time. That reminds me of like uh, the twin. There's a Twin Peaks. Like it's not even a meme. I don't even know what you would call it. But it's like imagine just being the guy that was like on set on Twin Peaks, and they were like, "Hey, we need like the most terrifying looking person ever uh, for this one part in the show, Bob." And then they were like, "Hey, you, you, <laughs> hey, you back there." That's literally <laughs> how Bob was cast. Like he was just a dude on set. Um. Anyway, that's where your names Braidwood and stuff off come from, which is very fun. I think. I love that. The passes work. They get in. <laughs> are you laughing at how horrible they are at being fucking sneaky as two FBI agents? Because that's what I'm laughing Yeah, especially, especially how quick Scully goes from playing it, you know, close to the vest to, okay, 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 we're FBI agents. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You the got us. Scene, the scene where they're like, they walk to the door and they get to the door and it's like... Oh, no, what do we do now? I think we should go back the other way. No, they'll know if we go back the other way. They're like whispering at full volume. I'm like, what are we doing, you guys? Yeah. Don't um, you learn how to be sneaky in the FBI? Right? But isn't or- the second thing you learn at the academy after learning that everyone has different fingerprints how to be sneaky? Yeah. And like how not to trip over a fucking sign and hurt your leg while you're running away from cops, which is what Mulder <laughs> does in the next moment. But 
first a Latoya shout out here. Um, so this guard that catches them. Uh, Latoya says, level six guard is Canadian actor Roger Cross. This is Latoya's quote. I was hyped to see him. I even said out loud, oh, damn, is that Roger Cross? Uh, <laughs> My man is in five different episodes of this show as five different characters, and I believe he's Whoa. not even actually credited here. He's not, but he is on IMDb. Uh, you want a stoic figure just trying to do the right thing on a Canadian show? You get Roger Cross. He's on Arrow, Whoa. Continuum, Dark Matter, which is Latoya's personal favorite. Uh, he's also on 24, but that's not a Canadian show. So shout out to Roger Cross. Does a great job here as our level six guard. Uh, Mulder... <laughs> <laughs> makes a break for it and Scully throws herself her whole body in order to slow down the guard in pursuit. She's also like, it's an amazing moment because she does throw her whole body, but she's also so fucking over it at the same time. It's like she does for it, sure, for but sure. she's already mad about doing it, you know? <laughs> yes. Really containing. I mean, she contains the whole universe of being in love with someone. Like the whole universe is already there inside of Scully. Yep. Um, yep. I wrote, LOL, Mulder, so clumsy, just like Bella Swan <laughs> trips and hurts his leg. <laughs> Um, oh god he sees this like you know vessel this glowing red vessel and he like limp runs over to it all of the guards are like cocking their guns at the same time but then don't worry daddy's here daddy's here guys (laughs) i know i'm sorry i hated myself but i knew i had to do it for the pod um deep throat says let him go You've done well, he says to all the guards. You're dismissed. I, I'm starting to really not. I don't know about Deep Throat. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Deep Throat's like, I know you want to look in there, but don't bother. It's already dead. And then he tells, uh, and then he tells Mulder yeah. that there are a bunch of countries that have a pact that if an alien, a living alien, a living EBE mm-hmm. lands in their zone, in their territory uh it's their responsibility to exterminate the eb no thank you and deep throat says he's one of three men who have had to carry out an execution uh and he feels really bad about it and he wants to atone which is why he comes to Mulder and gives him intel yeah that's deep throat's story it's i mean to jump a little bit ahead like there's this beat between the two of them after this moment where Mulder is like I'm trying to figure out which one of the things you told me is a lie right and then like clearly we don't know what's true here and what's not Deep Throat is definitely unreliable in truths and has said so himself but at least this performance by Jerry Harden got me I felt very sad I also felt really confused this is probably why i'm not um you know high up in the military or uh, the government but like (laughs) i didn't understand really why the agreement would be to exterminate like if an alien lands we kill it it's like again i i can like hear myself saying that and probably that's just because the world is horrible but like it just feels like why why would that be what you have to do and what if that brings on the retaliation of all the other EBEs? You know what I mean? Like, it just feels extreme. Um, 
which you know the military and the government are not so it's just confusing to me of why they would be yeah yeah (laughs) the military and the government famously very chill very chill um but this is really sad and you know i went through the whole episode even here talking through it being like i don't know man this deep throat he likes a lot of drama he's fucking telling some lies telling some truths he it feels like he's manipulating Mulder in a couple of the scenes in this episode but then here i am being like oh fuck like this guy had to do this fucking like if this is true this guy had to do this horrible thing that would fuck you up forever um yeah so like i don't know complicated and he says like that he's coming to Mulder to atone which you said and that maybe at some point the truth will be known so i'm just very like and i know that the point is that we're all unclear on deep throats like end game here um Mm -hmm. but i just i don't know it's like does he want somebody to protect the aliens and so they don't get killed anymore. I don't know. I, just, I don't know. You should ask your crystal ball. I really, I should. I'm too sad. <laughs> they walk outside and Deep Throat's like, you're awfully quiet, Mr. Mulder. And Mulder says, I'm wondering which lie to believe. And Deep Throat gives a throaty, evil chuckle and walks off. I thought it was the like, end. Uh, oh, you're so smart, son. You know, like, I oh. see what you did there. But I guess it could also be evil. Yeah. Deep Throat is always, the first time we saw Deep Throat, he was walking towards Mulder from so far away. Mulder was like on the track. <laughs> and like, now he just leaves his own job and walks into the fog. Like, where's he going? <laughs> it's none of our business, Kristen. <laughs> drama secret. to fucking the intersection of Drama Lane and Drama Avenue is where he's headed. <laughs> Uh, Jenny, since we just talked for so long about daddies, um, I don't think there's any better time than the (laughs) present to move into LaToya's lair. We've missed it so for some television deep dives. (gasps) My favorite lair. LaToya's lair. LaToya's lair. You whisper, mom, I'm scared. Kristen, Jenny, Exes, it is time for our long-awaited segment, LaToya's Lair. This is a very important lair because it gets to the bottom of something we all care about, television scheduling. Uh, Kristen, you had asked recently what the deal was with X-Files scheduling uh, situation. It seems like it would take off uh, every other week for certain episodes. It could You couldn't figure out the reasoning behind it. X-Files, so its first season has 24 episodes where its lead-in, the first and only season of Briscoe County Jr. had 27. From what I can tell with the way the X-Files impromptu episode breaks worked is that they worked the breaks in order to pair up part one of the Briscoe County finale with the X-Files season finale, which just is just one episode. Uh, I'm assuming that was in hopes it would provide a viewership bump for part two of the Briscoe finale the following week. Basically, it's like if you saw this finale before X-Files, maybe you're interested and then you'll watch the second part of the finale. 
Uh, it did not. Uh, about a week and a half later, Fox canceled Briscoe Cannon Jr. And it really kind of was one of those things where if those final episodes, you know, had seen an episode bump, it could have possibly been saved for the next season. But yeah, they did not. And especially with the X-Files becoming such a hit in its first season, that really formed the death knell. And I will also note in terms of scheduling uh, for this episode, EBE, this was the last episode in February sweeps, which, of course, was a big uh, ratings situation, especially on network TV at the time. So they weren't just making the breaks, obviously, to coincide with the finale, but to also make sure you get the the most number of eyes on the show when possible. Uh, I would say this is easily the most crucial and best episode of the sweeps. Think about it. The other two were Lazarus and Young at Heart, which were basically the same episode and comparatively to EBE bad. I believe there's a month between uh, EBE and the next episode and then a few weeks between the next one and the one after that. But I think then things kind of just line up. Again, this was sweeps. It can't be understated how important this episode was for that very reason. I think, again, just saying that Lazarus, Young and Hart and EBE were sweeps. Had EBE not happened, I don't know that X-Files succeeds the way it does moving forward. And with that, Kristen, little Jenny, get on my lair. The toy is there. The toy is there. There's no other lair I'd rather spend time in, even if the cost of spending time in the lair is being ordered out of it. And now, <laughs> out of the lair and into the frying pan of sex Whoa. for the Sexual Attention Awards. Welcome back to another installment of the Sexual Tension Awards, in which we supply you, our beautiful listenership, with a variety of slots and fill them with noms, and then you vote to tell us who you think has the most tension in this episode. All right? All right. All right. It's slot number one. It's a man and a being, you know... An idea. It really could be any. It's like manic pixie dream alien. <laughs> Mulder doesn't care which EBE he gets to know, but he really wants to get to know one EBE, if not more, as soon as possible. MP- Mulder and EBEs. MPDA, manic pixie dream alien on the board. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In slot number two, how many love stories have sprung forth from daddy issues? Too many to count. (laughs) And here's another one for the heap. It's Mulder and Deep Throat. Oh, God. They can't keep apart. Sending each other secret codes, meeting in secret places. Good God. In slot number three, we've got a woman racking up will-they-won't-they's across the board. She can't help herself, but now she wants to believe it's Scully and believing. She was shaking. She was quaking. 
she was shaking and quaking. Mm-hmm. Famously, something someone might do at some point. Great. Yes. Mm-hmm. And in slot number four, a variant on a familiar theme. Sure, you've heard of the mothership. Sure, you've heard of Mulder and Scully. But have you considered Tom Braidwood and Val Steffoff? <laughs> Val Steffoff throwing her body in front of other bodies to protect Mulder's body and his right to run towards an EBE at full speed until he hurts his little tiny foot. Oh my God. You think that like, this is their role playing? Like they're like when they're like ready to get really sexy, they're Braidwood and stuff off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They didn't even need uh, like fake identities to get into the power plant. They were just like, this would be hot actually. (laughs) I'm Braidwood. She is Steph-Off. And the guard is like, yeah, uh, drive through. Yeah, you could have come in with Mulder and Scully too, but. (laughs) (laughs) So those are your options for this episode. Please, 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 please consider casting your vote by going to bufferingcast.com slash STA. And that will take you to the STA poll. We need to know what you think. So, Kristen, now that we've gazed into the possibilities for, you know, romance and tension and iniquity and things that are none of our business, let us cast our eyes directly into the blazing amethyst fire of your crystal ball. You know, Jenny, um, a new development has happened. Uh, If you're a patron of ours, you may or may not be in our Discord. Um, But as of this taping, I now have a dedicated channel called Kristen's Crystal Ball, where I actually, uh, I have the ability to commune with other folks around my crystal ball and it seems to be increasing the power of my crystal ball so i just want to let you know that that's happening and i'll probably be pulling signals getting a boost signal is getting a major boost over at Kristen's crystal ball um but jenny like this is a myth arc episode so i want to start with you asking me anything because like this feels like there's some real shit happening yeah well i mean my number one question to you is deep throat friend foe something in between i definitely am feeling that deep throat is something in between i think that deep throat is a guy who you know how like sometimes you can think you have good intentions but actually maybe you don't but like you believe that you do I'm getting Mm -hmm. like that kind of a gray area vibe from Deep Throat. I do think that, I mean, clearly he has a lot of power. He has level six clearance. That's not a lie. He was down there. Um, So like he has access to a lot of shit, including good seats at the baseball fields across America. I believe all of that. And Mm -hmm. I also believe that he sees something in Mulder that he wants to engage with. I don't think that it's just for evil. 
Like, I don't think he's trying to, like, only manipulate Mulder for his own, for Deep Throat's own gain or for fill-in-the-blank's mm. own gain. But I have a feeling that Deep Throat plays inside of the lines too much in a way that is going to jeopardize the health and well-being of Mulder and all of us. That's how I feel. And my crystal ball. We're serious today, okay? You know, we sat down. We have some deep thoughts about Deep Throat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, do you think we will go back to the aquarium? Probably. The lighting was beautiful. You know, that's a cinematography dream. So, yeah, I think the mm-hmm, aquarium mm-hmm. Will, be, will be a future meeting spot. Hopefully we'll go to a laser show, too. You know, just some, like, really Ooh. fun. A theme park. I really hope that they meet at a theme park at some point. So there's just, like, a Ferris wheel in the background, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, like. They're getting popcorn. Yeah. Sharing just, a funnel cake. Uh-huh. Or maybe some cotton candy. Yeah. That's nice. That's some good father-son bonding time. <laughs> uh, do you have any questions from listeners? Of course. I have more questions from listeners than I will probably ever fit into one segment. Wow. Amazing. Um, Amazing. Should we have a mailbag episode that is not a mailbag? It's just, just you ball. and the crystal ball. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I don't want to discourage people from writing in. Like, there, there are more than I would put in a segment, but please continue asking the crystal ball things. Um, the First of all, I just wanted to shout out, some of you are giving shorthand to the uh, nicknaming the crystal ball, which I enjoy to no end. Um, Pat wrote in, hey, Chris, C-R-Y-S. I love it. Uh, and Pat actually wrote in without a question, but just said, this is this link, which I'll put in the show notes. Uh, this link is over a year old, so you probably already know about it. But hey, maybe you only know about the future, not the past. So I don't, mm. you know, it's true. The crystal ball Incredible generally point. looks forward. Um, but this link is really cool. It's this guy, uh, Juan Carlos Munoz. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right, but he is a photographer and he took an image of the Milky Way through a crystal ball. It is so fucking cool. I'll send it to you, Jenny. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. It's- oh. My so God. Cool. Also, like, if you scroll down, this is a, a, th- a tweet thread. I mean, fucking rest in peace tweet threads. I don't know what to call anything anymore. Uh, but this photographer says, if you look carefully, you can recognize some constellations. Due to the way that the ball projects the image, the constellations in the background and within the ball are symmetric. And one of the constellations is Sagittarius. This is yeah, my crystal right. ball. This is my fucking crystal ball. It can be ours because you were also Sagittarian. <laughs> Thank um, you. So that wasn't a question, but it was just so fucking cool that uh, I wanted to share it with you all in the show notes today. Uh, you can click the link and see this crystal, this my crystal ball. Uh, thank you for photograph for photographing it. Thank you for photographing Sorry. it, Juan. Incredible. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna guess what the next episode is about, Jenny. Oh, okay. Yes, Miracle Man. I've got my I've got my reading. I've got a few other readings if you if you so please. Yeah, hit me with yours. Miracle Man by Kristen Russo. Miracle Man is about a patient in the hospital who has a sudden unexplained recovery. Doctors can't explain it, but also on that same day, another patient at the exact same time, but a different hospital died of the first patient's <laughs> condition, but they never even had that condition. This happened back in 1966, but now it has happened again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Do you have that typed up over there? Yeah. 
Can you text it to me? Yeah. Uh, my favorite theory from inside the group was from Helen, who wrote the plot line of Miracle Man is remarkably similar to the Simpsons episode Marge versus the Monorail. A traveling salesman comes to town promising miracle cures for all ills and tricks the townspeople mm. into believing him through the power of song. Scully has to bring Mulder back from the brink at the crucial moment where he is about to join in a duet. <laughs> I mean, how do you pick between those two? It's obviously one of them, but yeah. which one? Or maybe a beautiful combination of both, you know? Woo! Okay, well, power down the crystal ball, mm, yeah, Kristen. It's done enough for today. It has. I would say that the status of this X-File is swimming like a shark that will die if it stops swimming, and its dad is telling it, don't stop swimming. Oh, my God. This fucking X-File is so anxious. Okay. well beautiful listeners hey it's me your friend jenny owen youngs and when i'm not watching the x-files or buffy i'm usually making music i have a new album coming out september 22nd it's called avalanche the third single it's later than you think just came out you can pre-order the record you can stream the singles that are out already you can also get tickets for my fall tour, which will be visiting Nashville, New York, D.C., Philly, Chicago, L.A., San Francisco, Portland, and Seattle at JennyOwenYoungs.com. Find me on social media also at JennyOwenYoungs. Ah! I'm Kristen Russo, and um, I generally just like to figure out what Jenny Owen Youngs is doing and pay attention to it as much as possible. When I'm not... Wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, when I'm not doing that... Or watching The X-Files, I'm usually doing something real gay. Uh, you can learn about the work that I do with LGBTQ communities over on my website, kristinnoline.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. You can find me using that on socials. I also uh, have a Patreon that has that same little tag, patreon.com slash kristinnoline. And uh, we're watching some horror movies, one a month, uh, every month of this year and next. Reading some queer nice. essays that go along with them. We just watched Nightmare nice. on the Street. It ruled. <laughs> Buffering. A rewatch adventure is on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at BufferingCast. You can drop us an email at hello at BufferingCast.com. You can write to the crystal ball at crystalball at BufferingCast.com. Hey, you could support us here. The whole fam you can support uh, by going over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash bufferingcast. There's a lot of cool stuff happening over there. We just published a very special Buffy podcast uh, called The Hot Dad Pod. It is a <laughs> podcast where we talk all about Giles. We answer your Giles-specific queries. And we also talk about resident hot dad, Jenny Owen Youngs, and how... Okay. What? It's been... Well, so, I just... I'm just... This is what it is, okay? Uh, okay? Talk about your whole new life as a dad, as a new dad. Indeed. Indeed. Um, so you can find stuff like that over there. We're going through the Buffy comics. We do live watches. It's a blast. Something else worth mentioning in this section is that, as you may already be aware, we have started splitting out the X-Files feed from the main buffering feed. We've also split out the Doomcoming feed. Doomcoming and X-Files have their own special little feeds with like no reviews, just basically tumbleweeds and, an, and a, a round mass waiting to be terraformed so that, you know, <laughs> reviews can populate it uh, and live their little review lives and be very fulfilled and help other people find the show. So if 
you've got a few minutes in you and you want to help out, we'd, we'd love to get reviews on those new feeds. That'd just be amazing. But also no pre- no worries if not. I would like to report that as of this taping, um, the X-Files separate feed has five stars and 60 reviews. So Whoa! It's Look working. At us go. You're doing it. Please keep doing that. It's very helpful to us. Uh, buffer. This feed has so many reviews. It's like t- 2,300 reviews. But 60 is really good. Uh, Doom coming. Oh, Doom coming has 33 reviews and five stars, you guys. Wow. And it's still five stars. So that rules. And if you haven't done that and you can, it really is very helpful. It helps people find the pod. It helps people know that what we do here is kind of fun so yeah i know we ask a lot of you but we also really appreciate um what you do thanks so much we appreciate you way more than deep throat appreciates you you know what i mean we appreciate you way more than deep throat appreciates Mulder. yeah and they're they have like a weird father-son thing going on um You guys rock. This episode was produced by Kristen Russo, Jenny Owen Youngs, and LaToya Ferguson with support from our consultant, Mackenzie McDade. It was edited by John Mark Nelson. And till next time, Dad, can we go to the aquarium? Wow. Morgan Knox can see the darkness coming, but that still might not be enough to stop it from destroying the world. Introducing The Shadow Files of Morgan Knox, a new show from Realm. Set in 1930s Manhattan, this fantasy noir is perfect for fans of Lovecraftian horror. Ever since her experience in World War I, Morgan Knox, a Latina private detective, has had the ability to see paranormal phenomena. This makes her the perfect investigator when she's hired by a murdered man hoping to uncover the details of his own death. The case takes her through the city as she battles corruption, greed, and temptation. And if she isn't careful, she could be the darkness's next victim. You can learn more about the shadow files of Morgan Knox at realm.fm and be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.